This is part one of our two-part interview series of Colin Byard. Welcome to Declassified College, a podcast where we give you all the cheat codes needed to pass this level in your life. Each week, we share three short episodes filled with clips of our interviews with students from across the United States and occasionally an interview with an industry expert to answer all of your questions about attending university. College can be what sets you up for a prosperous career, or it can be the four years that when you look back on it, you wish that you did it different. We're here to make sure that you have all the information so that by the time you walk across that stage, you're ready for the so-called real world that the boomers love to talk about. My name is Justin Wynn, and it's about time we declassified college. This is part one of a two-part interview series with Colin Byard. Colin is a University Innovation Alliance Fellow at the University of Central Florida, and he focuses on helping find innovative ways to transition students into their careers after college. I wanted to bring Colin on because whenever I get to talk with him, he is working on a super dope project that usually helps students, and he is a huge advocate for design thinking. Design thinking is an approach that's typically used for entrepreneurship, but if you take those tips that Colin talks about in this episode and you apply it to your life, you'll not only leave college with a good understanding of what you want to do for a career, but you'll also probably have a good job opportunity as you walk across that stage. So let's jump into that interview with Colin. So Colin, it's been an absolute pleasure to just have conversations with you back and forth. You've helped me in my life in terms of allowing me to understand design thinking as well as bringing me to some of your workshops. And it's actually incredible to see a lot of the work that you're doing with the UIA and at UCF. So without further ado, can you just give the, the audience a little bit of intro on like who you are and what you're doing right now? Absolutely. Yeah. So I'm a fellow with the University Innovation Alliance. The UIA is a group of 11 public research institutions who try to leverage collaboration as an opportunity to innovate within higher education and do some of the necessary change towards student success internally. Specifically, my role is supporting our College to Career Initiative funded by the Strata Education Network, where we're using a human-centered design approach to work with uh, our campus career center uh, staff across seven of our institutions to see what what does it look like to best support first-generation and low-income students' transitions into the future of work. That's just absolutely amazing. And for anyone that didn't understand what Colin just said, like basically, he's trying to do some really cool stuff in the career space in terms of how can he help college students transition into getting and finding a job because ultimately that figure that's what a lot of college students look for in in college and it's really amazing to see someone on the inside working to sort of innovate in these spaces some something that i wanted to bring up when it came to your work with the uia was this bgee retreat i know we've talked about it and i saw sort of the article that you wrote on linkedin about or the little note on linkedin about it Tell me a little bit more about that, as well as let the listeners know what you guys accomplished from there. Yeah, so that was a really amazing experience. So this retreat that we had, had our project is called BGEE, which is just bridging the gap from education to employment. And what we did is we brought together um, approximately uh, 45 to 50 
uh, Career Center and, and other university administrative staff to Arizona to meet up with uh, our employer working group, which is predominantly constructed of senior HR professionals to work hand in hand through a three-day design thinking process to figure out two things. One, what does it look like to help our students, especially our most vulnerable, our first-generation low-income students, transition into the organizations that uh, you know these folks were representing and beyond, as well as what do really strong university employer partnerships need to look like in order for this college-to-career handoff to be as effective as it could be. Um, and so we, we engaged in some design activities around both of those kind of problems, I'll call them. So what kind of came out of that from, from all that, or from the whole retreat? Yeah. So what, what's come out of that is a portfolio of concepts that we're moving into a pilot phase right now. Um, so what I mean by that is in design work, one of the core kind of philosophical underpinnings of, of design is to test and iterate. And so rather than doing what traditionally we would do, which is we think this is a great idea, let's run with it. We're encouraging our campuses and our employers to say, we think that's a good idea. Let's rigorously vet this at a low cost level in order to really figure out what the secret sauce and components are behind this. So if we were to scale a solution, we feel really confident that it's a solution that works for our students and not just a solution that might work for our students that we're investing all of this time and money into building. Um, And so we've currently used our information from that retreat, as well as throughout the entire project, we've used the same approach to move into these pilot testing phases where we've given each of the campuses $10,000 to run a small scale pilot to create some key performance indicators for what success of that would look like and to execute and measure it. So we can come back at the end of this year and say, we feel really good that these three or four solutions are scalable meaningful solutions that will really help students in the future. So what are some of those pilots either that you're doing at UCF or that some of the other universities that you're seeing doing that are successful? Um, You know, I think it's a little too early to call them successes per se. Um, We're still in the process of of building them and launching them. So I'll get back to you on the success portion of that later. (laughs) Um, But I'll I'll highlight two that I find really interesting off the top of my head. One that that is is being run in some kind of fashion at a couple different institutions is what does it look like to utilize faculty to call out workforce skills that students are learning in the classroom? And what I mean by this is specifically at one of our institutions, they're using a workforce competency framework called the NACE competencies, which are built out through researching what employers are looking for in their workforce and calling those skills out in the syllabus as well as with assignment. Because what I hear from employers all the time, I work with them pretty frequently on this project, is you know we have this student, they might even look good on their resume, but when it comes time to the interview, they don't have examples to back up their skills. And there are incredibly valuable skills that students learn in the classroom that they don't really remember are valuable stories to tell. You know, the group project that you saved at the last minute, you know, by bringing your team together and really, you know, making something out of nothing is a great story to tell an employer about your grit and your ability to rally and motivate a team. And those are essential workforce skills that you just learned through a course project that a lot of students don't think about because we're not telling them that those are valuable stories to tell. So that's one pilot that that we're running this summer 
And we're going to really test and see, are students able to better articulate those skills on the back end if we call them out to them in that way? The second interesting concept that, that another campus is testing, and I think this is so important, particularly for first-generation and low-income students, is what does it look like if we start offering team-based internships that happen on campus? So many students need to take summer courses to remain you know, on time for graduation, to meet their own goals. The course may only be offered at this time in the summer based on their program of study whatever, and it might deny students some really interesting opportunities. We have space, we have resources, we have opportunities on campus. And quite frankly, due to our current context and situation, we have folks very open to remote work. What would happen if we were able to transition some of those teams of interns and teams of people working together to an on-campus space so we're not disrupting students and we're allowing them to remain taking classes and working in a very professional way? Um, so those are two things that that, that I'm very excited to see um, t- happen and take place. I mean, that's super interesting, especially that first one where, I mean, I can really relate to of being a student and doing all of these sort of projects, but no one has really been there to say, oh, this project, these are sort of the skills that you learn while doing it. And then this is how you can maybe pitch it to an employer to get that job. Because um, like you said, I think students ultimately they graduate with a good amount of skill sets. Like that's the whole point of what you're learning in school. But no one really positions it as skill sets. In university, you're really just positioning it as an A, a B, a C, or a D, right? It's not that you learned how to use Microsoft Excel or you learned how to get your team together and motivate them or anything like that. So I think that's a huge thing that students would truly benefit from, not only in the classroom, but also especially in that interview context of being able to showcase that they have the skills to pay the bills. Um, But I want to go back because you keep mentioning this concept of design thinking. What what does that mean for you? Yeah, design thinking for me um, is really a problem-solving methodology that focuses on the needs of a person who's going to be using a product, service, uh, program, whatever it ends up being, right? I think sometimes, you know, we see design and when I first thought about design and when I saw my job and one of my core responsibilities was to facilitate a design thinking process, I first, you know, I almost went to my boss and went, actually, you hired the wrong guy. I can't graphic design or design anything. (laughs) Um, And I think that's such a misnomer about design and the power of design, right? Good graphic design. I think we get captured by the art. But what graphic design really is about is communicating a message. And it's about ensuring that that message lands in the way you need it to and evokes an emotional response in the receiver in a way that compels them to action. You know, whether it's to attend an event, to use a product or service, to click on whatever this is, like that's the core component to graphic design. And that's core to everything. You can design a service in the same way that evokes a certain emotional response that brings back repeat business. You can create a product with the same process to ensure that people are actually going to use your product. And I think that's the the real power of design thinking is it's thinking in that end user functionality and solving real problems that people have in order to ensure they're having the best experience with whatever it is that you've created. So from a student's perspective, how could they use design thinking in their own career? 
I think design thinking, and quite frankly, so I was at the SHRM conference last year, the Society for Human Resource Management, and I was really interested in some of the talent acquisition and talent management track stuff that they were putting on. And um, I'll tell you what, if I went to another, like, what top skills are you going to need in the future? You know, every single one of them mentioned design thinking. And so as a standalone skill set, it's already highly marketable. People are already looking for folks who are knowledgeable in this methodology um, because of its power at creating solutions that are real and and invoke action. Um, But even if you then break it down into sort of the meta skills that build into design thinking, it's a bunch of things you see as really core, right? Mark Cuban has come out recently saying the most important business skill that a new professional can have is empathy. Well, empathy is the core to design thinking. The first step in no matter which thought process or mindset you're using behind design thinking, it's to go to talk to the people who are experiencing the problem. You know, when we were doing our design thinking work on our campuses, we pulled students aside on the street and we're like, hey, you know, what keeps you up at night? And time and time again, we heard these stories about students not feeling like they were going to make it in the real world when they graduated. That's a problem. And we use that as inspiration to motivate solving the problem in some of the ways I described a little bit earlier. You know, the ability to, to define a problem. I'll tell you what, if I had a dollar for every time an organization told me that their new employees lack problem solving and critical thinking skills, I'd be very wealthy right now. <laughs> Our students need to figure out different methodologies that work for them for solving problems and for defining problems to solve. And design thinking is a great way to define problems. There's certain brainstorming aspects to this and the ability to vet ideas in a strong way and the ability to work collaboratively because design thinking is inherently a team process. You don't go and design think on your own. It involves other people. And it's essential to, to really develop those skills And then, you know, one of my favorite parts about design thinking is it has a bias towards action. And so it's not just, and you and I have even worked on a project like this, and I've encouraged you to take this bias, where instead of just talking about an idea, build a version of it. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't even have to be good, but build something. Because talking about something and someone seeing it and being able to hold it and understand it are two completely different things. I think far too often we rely on the power of language, and our language can betray us. You know, I I can talk about, you know, one of my favorite examples and and play along with me here for a second, Justin, you know, I had an apple today at lunch. Describe that apple to me. What did that apple look like? Um, Maybe it was green. Um, Hopefully it was fresh. And I don't know. It it looked like an apple, hopefully. (laughs) It looked like an apple, right? But but your mind immediately went to, to green apple. Mine was actually red with some really nice bright golds to it. Um, and it was nice and crisp and fresh. So, so, you know, good on that one. But, you know, even these broader concepts of things, we can totally miss the ball. Imagine if we were talking about something much more complicated than an apple. Well, now the problem magnifies and it becomes much more complex. And so sometimes you just need to create something to show somebody. Um, and you can really better understand their needs if you do so. I totally, I love that because I mean, the project that we've worked on together, right? It was something that I'd never even thought of to kind of show like, this is wouldn't even be considered like an MVP, right? This was literally just drawings on a piece of paper on Canva, essentially that I showed to students just to kind of get their initial reactions to it. And some of the things that I heard, I would have never even thought of. 
uh, and it was it was really interesting to to kind of go through that process. Have you ever watched the show Abstract before on Netflix? I actually haven't. I think you would love this show. So this show is literally just about design, um, more so in the like the design of visual stuff. But there's this one episode with the creator of the new Instagram app logo. So if you remember way back when um, it was like the the logo of an Instagram of Instagram was like a TV monitor. I think it was kind right. of similar to to YouTube or like a camera with like weird colors on the bottom of it. And then they brought in this guy who designed like Nike's uh, fuel band, etc., to go and design their new logo. And he talks about the whole process that they went through, the different iterations that they went through, the hundreds of thousands of iterations, etc. Very similar to what you're kind of talking about of getting things like visually in terms of language. You can explain something one way, but when you show it to someone, it means something completely different. And that's not something that you can really experiment with in terms of just telling someone uh, of like language. So I, I love that example of the apple that you just talked about because everyone's interpretation of an apple is probably very different than yours, mine, or anyone else that's listening. And it changes regularly, right? I think the other thing that's really beautiful about design work and design thinking and why students should care is because I think we run ourselves into this logical fallacy that humans are like machines and we will do things like a machine would. We do an input mm-hmm. and we get a certain output regularly every time. And that's not accurate at all. And there are a million examples of us acting in direct opposition to what's best for us. And so it's really important to test these kinds of solutions because someone can dead look you in the eye and say, that's awesome, I would totally use that. And then you show them the exact same thing and then say, actually, no, I would never use anything like that. Um, and, And so it's so important for us to ensure that we're not just getting verbal confirmation on the abstract, but there's an actual concrete component to our ideas and what's happening that elicits a response and allows people to, to actually be able to say what they need. A famous Henry Ford quote that I really love and I rely on and I think about all the time is Henry Ford used to say, you know, if I asked people what they wanted, they, they'd say they wanted faster horses because <laughs> this is our understanding of the problem and our limited view of solution versus, you know, if you actually understood that person's need, you know, their grandma lives 30 miles away and riding a horse all the way there is very challenging and takes, you know, forever. Well, now you can understand a different world to build a solution around that and not just asking how we can get faster horses. I love that. That quote is absolutely hilarious when you look back at how everything has really changed, right? Since since Henry Ford really innovated what a, what transportation was. Um, but let's do a little bit of role play in terms of tactics, because I think advice in terms of like design thinking, it's great. How can you leverage that is perfect. But let's say you're a student who thinks to his self or herself, I don't even know what I want to do with my life in the future. How could you use design thinking tactically to start to maybe figure out what that might be, look like in terms of your future career? This is such um, a poignant and, and timely question. Um, my wife actually just read a book that I, I highly recommend for everyone. It's called Designing Your Life. And it's literally about how to apply 
you know, some of the pretenses of design thinking into basically exploration of career and what your future wants to look like. I'm going to pull out two kind of recommendations from that group that I think are really um, intriguing and, and important to think about. One, I think it takes a very astute, introspective person to really understand what they like and don't like to do. And to differentiate that between things that are tolerable and things that are intolerable in the workplace. I think sometimes we get a little too obsessed with finding the perfect environment, which may or may not exist, and not enough time investigating what would motivate us to go to work. So one is, are there tools you can use to really reflect on what your life wants to look like in the future? For some of us, it is finding high value in the work that we do. For some of us, it, it might be something totally different. We might be placing a lot of value on, on life experiences. We might actually place a lot of value on love, whether that's with a romantic partner, with your family, with friends, and spending time that way. All of those things are okay, and all of them influence what job you can do. If you really, really, really need to spend time with loved ones, being a traveling consultant is a horrible job for you to do. Miserable. You're going to hate every minute of it. But it, it sounds really cool until you get into it. And then you recognize very quickly that it's not for you. So that's thing one. Introspection and, and taking the full picture of yourself into account. The second recommendation, and probably the more important of the two, is you have to try shit. You can't just assume or read a position description or talk to someone and do an informational interview. I need you to put yourself in their shoes and actually try to do what their work looks like. You want to work in finance? Well, you better sit yourself down in front of some Excel spreadsheets for a while and figure out how to do every formula imaginable. If you, after three hours, are like, that's exhausting. I never want to look at one of these again. Guess what? Time to pivot. Time to move forward into something else. But at least you know. You want to try on these kinds of jobs. Right. And so there's this really awesome service that uh, I've been working with at UCF called Parker Dewey. Parker Dewey offers these short term, they call them micro internship. They're like 20 to 40 hour discrete one off projects that you might do at a company. This is great for life design. Try something new, radical, different. You may find that you really, really love producing content. Or you might realize that writing blogs is the most mind numbing thing ever to you. But both of those things are important to know because we don't provide students enough chances and enough opportunities to test those kinds of things. So they go out into the workplace, they go into a job, they find out six months in they're miserable, they melt from that job, the company has to spend two to three times their salary to rehire them, and everybody, including the university, lose it. Because then the narrative is that universities are turning out bad talent. No, we're turning out students who don't know what they want to do. It's very different, and it's so critical that we work with students to help them actually test what work might look like for them in the future, and life design and design thinking can help you do that. That's amazing. That's such a gem right there in terms of that universities aren't turning out bad talent. They're turning out students that don't necessarily know what they want to do. And I think that's, like you said, the biggest misconception when it comes into the real world, because there have, there's, I've talked to so many students and they're like, Justin, I want to get into finance. Justin, I want to get into marketing. And I'm like, okay, like, can you show me any work that you've done in either of those fields? Like, you want to go into investment banking? Show me that you've looked through companies' earnings. 
Like, I don't want to look through that. And I'm like, well, what do you think you're going to do in investment banking all day, right. every single day for 80 hours a week, right? Like, you're not just going to sit there and print money. That's not what investment banking is, even though the Wolf of Wall Street makes it seem like that. And I think that's such a huge point to, to get in front of students because until you try something, you'll never understand if you like it, right? I never used to like vegetables. I thought that they were the most gross things in the world. Right, I paid attention to watching Codename Kids Next Door growing up, and vegetables were the enemy that the kids were always trying to fight against. And then I started eating vegetables with some of my food, and then now I love it. It's healthier, I'm healthier, and the food is great, but I would have never known if I didn't try it. And that's sort of like the analogy that I try to tell students because it's something that they can usually relate to because we grow up usually hating vegetables. We never really tried it growing up just because our friends said that they weren't good. So we're like, okay, they're not good. And then all of a sudden you get older and you're like, oh, I need to be a little bit more health conscious. You try it and it's actually pretty good for you. So I love that. And in terms of design thinking, you mentioned Parker Dewey. Are there any other resources out there that students can either learn more about design thinking or um, other ways that they can implement design thinking into their, their career search? For sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean depending on what, what institution you're at, um, there's this really, really awesome national student group called Design for America. Your institution may have a, a Design for America group. Uh, can you go out and, and do some kinds of like basically pro bono design consulting uh, around some of this? Do some, you know, um, ethnographic research as, as folks in the field will call it. And, and I think that this is so, right, college students are such a high value target population for so many companies that you can immediately add value basically just by interviewing your friends. Um, and, that, and that's a really awesome opportunity that that lends itself to this kind of work. Um, you know, there's a lot of really awesome. The design community is fascinating because there are so many cheap or free resources for you if you want to seek it out. Um, and so, just just a few places to go and, and look for this information. Um, the Stanford D School, the Hassan Plattner Institute of Design, that's where I was trained in design thinking initially. Uh, really wonderful group people and they have incredible resources in this really robust library. Uh, the second place I'd look to go is the famed Silicon Valley consulting firm IDEO. Um, they have an amazing resource library and tons of great blogs and case examples and opportunities um, to, to get involved that way. Uh, the third group I'd look at is a group called the Luma Institute. You can actually sign up for this thing. It's called Luma Workplace. Um, you get a 30-day free trial um, when you sign up for the first time. And it, they use, they call them recipes. It's really cool. Basically, you combine different activities and facilitations in, in the workplace to, to derive an outcome. They have some pre-built ones if you are, are less familiar. Um, and you can really, you know, test your chops and see some of the tools that folks might use to facilitate these kinds of creative collaborations. And then the fourth group that, that I think has a lot of powerful content uh, is a group called Doblin. It's a subsidiary of Deloitte. Um, and they have uh, a really, really interesting way of functioning and in, in dividing their labor uh, and therefore have this robust content library uh, across their disciplines that, that can be really helpful for a new designer who's just getting into this to really think through what they want to do. Another day, another cheat code, and you're on your way to defeating the level that we like to call college. If you've liked any of the cheat codes that we've given out, please hit that subscribe button and give us a review on iTunes. Each review helps us grow and make sure that more people learn these tips. 
We love to hear from you all. So make sure you check out our website, www.getchillgrindup.com and follow us on all social media platforms at getchillgrindup. That's G-E-T-C-H-O-G-R-I-N-D-U-P. So until next time, peace.